You're listening to the Roanoke Valley Church Podcast. We all need help remembering. Jesus wants us to remember his covenant initiated and confirmed by his blood. This sermon covers Luke's account of the Passover meal celebration in chapter 22. Listen in for four details to help us remember. And visit our website, RoanokeValleyChurch.org, and our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Church. More resources, sermons, and links to help you be a part of what God is doing in the Roanoke Valley. And now, enjoy today's sermon. This is a time of our service where we'll actually have a, a sermonion, a time that will prepare for uh, us to be able to take the bread and the juice to Lord's Supper. So if you have a cup nearby, uh, make sure you grab one or sneak one off a chair in front of you. But if you have a Bible, please turn over to Luke chapter 22. Uh, we uh, thought it'd be appropriate. Uh, you know, we take communion, we take the Lord's Supper every Sunday here in the Roanoke Valley Church. And we know that that's not necessarily true for every church out there. Not every church uh, does that. But I think from time to time, I think all the time, but from time to time up here on the pulpit, it's, it's important for us to take a deeper dive into the Lord's Supper uh, to help our hearts, as Jesus calls us to, is to remember him. And for us to take that time together as a church. In light of the four-week series we just completed in regards to the covenant, last Sunday we talked about the power of the blood and the blood of the covenant and what that really does uh, for us, that it really does allow all the previous things that we studied there in Jeremiah 31 to become true. We can't be God's people and he can't be our God if the blood of Christ doesn't wash us clean. Uh, We can't look forward uh, to the connection of his law being fulfilled on our hearts having it written on it if the blood of Jesus is not shed and covered, uh, covering us. And we really can't have that type of knowledge of knowing God and having a community where we know God intimately without the blood of Jesus. So all those, all those things that we've studied the last the previous four weeks all hinge on what Jesus introduces here at the Lord's Supper on the Passover uh, a week or moments before he is uh, persecuted and ultimately killed for you and me. So we'll look into that, and I've got uh, four, four things, believe it or not, not four long things, uh, but four things to help us, as Jesus calls us here, to do this in remembrance of him. We talked a lot about uh, last Sunday, are there things that you wish other people would forget? <laughs> and are there things that you wish other people would forget that happened to you or that you did? Uh, or if you could just yourself just forget the certain things that you did that maybe you're ashamed of or wish hadn't happened. So we spent a little bit of time talking about that. Uh, But I ask you now, are there things that you wish you could remember? Things that you would like, man, why do I keep forgetting that? You know, I have an embarrassing story. Uh, We're doing some uh, marriage counseling for for Bill and Connie. They're getting married in October, the end of October. And I always share this story is that my first, uh, we got married, my, my wife and I got married in 2007. And her birthday is in September. So you know, the first, first birthday celebration of a new, uh, a new couple. And uh, I forgot. I completely forgot her birthday. Uh, so that was, the, you know, our first start. Onward just looked at uh, Arlene there. Maybe we're in the same boat, yeah? Okay. So my excuse was I didn't, I didn't grow up. Cele- we celebrated birthdays, but I had an identical twin brother, and it was kind of like, yay, there's two of you. It's expensive. Yay, happy birthday. And that was, you know, they were, they were cool, small groups. Uh, but Lindsay's dad is awesome, you know, and uh, he is... Uh, full of energy and full of love, and he, you know, he gets the, you know, the bouncy house and the, and the goats and the petting zoos and all that kind of stuff, 
for his, uh, for his one and only daughter. So, you know, she is worthy of all that celebration, but I missed it. I missed it, and I'm thinking, you know, just, geesh, so much of Bachelor that still needed to uh, be repented of and all that kind of stuff. But those are like, okay, uh, you, you remember your wife's birthday, okay? That's the point. <laughs> That's something I remember now, and it's something that I'm very aware of now, but it's one thing I definitely want to remember. The other thing is anniversary. You know, you remember your anniversary. There's things that you just remember. I want to remember where I put my phone all the time. Uh, there's, this, there's a phenomenon, it's quite embarrassing, and I, it's somewhat of a, a blight on our society, where you can't find your phone, you feel like, who am I? Well, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? How will I figure out what I'm supposed to do now? Uh, I can't go anywhere without my phone. And uh, that's a sad, uh, sad confession, but I think we all can, can feel that to a degree. So I want to remember that. Uh, some of you guys want to remember where you parked the car in the parking lot. Uh, all that kind of stuff. We've all, we've all done the, you know, beep, beep, trying to figure out where it is type thing. But there are things that you want to remember. You want to remember great memories of family and you, you, all those different things. Um, and that's a, that's a big part of being uh, human. It's a big part of being uh, even a Christian. Are there are things that God wants us to remember. Most of the Old Testament is him reminding the, the, the Israelites, the Hebrews, to remember, 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 remember. And he instilled and installed days of remembrance, like the Passover, which we celebrate. Uh, again, Hebrews and Israel celebrates, but the Passover takes new meaning in the Last Supper. But again, because of who we are and our tendency to forget, God says, remember, remember, remember. And I believe it's important to take communion every Sunday as a fellowship, albeit it's not something that needs to be reserved totally to Sundays when we gather. It is something you can do anytime, anywhere, with anyone, and it's a, it's a great thing. But the point is, remember, and I need all the reminders to remember. So here in Luke 22, we'll, uh, we'll point out four different things that, that, uh, that stuck out to me that Jesus really instituted through the Lord's Supper to help us Remember what I believe is the most important thing to remember. You with me? All right. So if you have a Bible, Luke 22, we'll, we'll begin up here in verse 13. It says, They left the disciples and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said, said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with, with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. And it goes on to talk about the, uh, the dispute about who would be the greatest, kind of ill-fitting time. Uh, but he does tell them here in verse, verse 27, but who is the greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves. 
You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred on one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. We'll stop there. So again, here, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. It's a Passover meal. He tells the disciples to go and set up the upper room, and he, they find it just as he tells them it would. The Passover was a remembrance, a time where, where God uh, freed the Israelites from the oppression of Pharaoh. And we, you may know the story in Exodus where, where a lamb was asked, uh, was decreed by God to be sacrificed and the blood of that lamb to be put on the doorposts of your home. And the judgment, the angel of judgment, would sweep over Egypt and anyone who did not have the blood on the doorframe, their firstborn would be taken. And sometimes we think that was only the Egyptians whose first sons were taken. This, this was not just to the Israelites. It was anyone, anyone in that time, both the people of Moses and the Egyptians, anyone who did not have blood on their doorframes lost their firstborn. God even says there in Exodus that if any Israelite is caught outside of the home, that they will be taken. God says, this, this is my sweeping justice, but this is also my sweeping mercy on anyone who would actually have the blood of a lamb on their doorframe. And that Passover, in which the angel passed over them literally, was now installed to be a moment of remembrance. Remembrance of their oppression and the moment of their freedom. And you might ask, why a lamb? Why a fluffy, cuddly lamb? This is tragic. But again, Jesus is, or God is installing something specific that as, as time would go, even as we sang, Jesus will fix it in a while. That in a while, there will be a lamb, not a physical animal, but the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as he sits there at the Passover meal, there would be wine and there would be unleavened bread. Unleavened bread because they had no time for the yeast to rise. Again, a remembrance of the haste in which God delivered them. But also on the Passover, on the Sukkoth, Sukkot, you would actually have a lamb. You would have lamb. That's the main course. So it's wine, unleavened bread, and lamb. If you read all four Gospels, particularly Matthew, Mark, and here in Luke, no lamb is mentioned. The preparations are mentioned that everything's there. But the main dish is not. But it is. And that's my first thing for us to remember, is the Lamb of God is not on the table. It's at the table. This main course is Jesus himself. The very Lamb of God is at the table. Two cups of wine, unleavened bread. Jesus never gives them the main course, but the Lamb of God was there to be had and to be given. You know, that's, that moment of, of Passover is a, is a call back for the Israelites to remember the first time, the first time they were able to enter into a loving relationship with God by escaping justice, in the sense that justice was turned aside and mercy and grace was given. It's a remembrance. That's the first time that relationship was installed. And now here, Jesus, on the, on the heels of that, that first moment of remembrance, he's now saying, here's a new covenant. And this new covenant isn't in the blood of a lamb on a doorpost, but it's in my blood. And we've heard it, right? We've heard it over and over and over again. But do your best at this moment to put yourselves 
in the reclining table seat of the disciples here. Who Passover is not just something you get with your buddies at Buffalo Wild Wings and knock it out. This is something you do with your family. You would meet with your relatives. It's where the, where the head of the household, most likely a grandfather, the eldest among you, would tell this story. Would tell this story, and now it's not, it's not that scene. But now it's Jesus saying, no, 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 I'm going to get my disciples together. Don't go back to your homes. Don't go back to your families. Don't go back to your wives. You're not going to be telling the story tonight. I am. And this, new, this story has a new wrinkle that you've not heard. Yes, you've heard about the lamb, but now I'm the lamb. And that, that reality washing over them, it makes the, the question of who's the greatest all the more like ridiculous why they would go that route. But it does give us a little bit about who we are as people. But really this, this institution of, of God being this lamb, the son of God, perfect, without blemish, reminding them of the first time they came into a loving relationship with God, and now, to a greater intensity and a greater degree that they could ever imagine, now it's his blood. It's his blood that brings them into a loving relationship. It's his blood that brings them to a point where justice is turned aside, where they'll have a Passover, not of uh, oppression and judgment, but of the sin and the judgment that comes along with that. So the Lamb of God is at the table. I hope that helps us remember the importance of this time. Secondly, it's Jesus' heart to eagerly desire to have this meal with them. I think it's super important for us to understand, even as we're here, and it's, a, it's obviously different. I think if we were lounging around and we had some wine and unleavened bread and Jesus were here, that'd be really, really special. But as we take something so often, it's in a little cup, it's been pre-packaged, uh, we get distracted by the rain sounds of everybody tearing it open. It almost sounds like, you know, white noise. And it just, it, 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 I'm, not, I'm not going against it, but it, it loses its intended effect sometimes. Um, you know, there's been times where I skip breakfast. And I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm ingesting Lord's Supper almost like a snack. Like, this is good. I can feel the juice going down my stomach. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. And that's the degree in which it takes. You're looking at me like, how dare you? But that, that's the reality of where I've been at points. But it helps me to understand that Jesus says to his disciples, I have eagerly desired to have this time with you. This is in verse 15. He's eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. It's twofold. You know, we see other times in, in Scripture, where, particularly in Hebrews, where it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. We think, what is that joy? It's, it's the joy of connection and relationship. It's the joy of the covenant being fulfilled. And I think the same thing here is that Jesus is right on the precipice of the worst suffering anyone's ever going to go through in the history of the world. And yet, he's filled with a joy to share it with his disciples. I don't know about you, but if you know something awful is coming, isn't it hard for you to enjoy anything? If you know right around the corner the worst is about to happen, isn't it hard for you not to be consumed by that? I mean, we can't even put ourselves here, but even just the moments where we've had something difficult happen to us, it's hard to have company, it's hard to engage, it's hard to be in the moment, it's hard to connect, it's hard to have joy, it's hard to say, yes, I desire to be around anyone. And here we have our God 
who's going to do all that for us and say, I eagerly desire to have this meal with you before I suffer. And the, the, the Hebrew here, the, or excuse me, the Greek, is, it's called a Semitic doubling, where it says, uh, it, it basically means, with desire, I have desired this. So it's, it's basically, it's a Semitic doubling, which basically says, you know what, it's, it's trying to capture, and Luke's trying to capture the intensity of his emotion. It's not like, hey man, guys, I've been really looking forward to this. Like we say, like, oh, it's great to get around, everyone around the table. Been really looking forward to this. But something that's just like, I have been waiting my whole life for this. You have a moment like that, where you're filled with that type of excitement. Oh, this is, I've been waiting my whole life for this. And maybe your kids have said that when they get to King's Dominion or Bush Gardens, or they finally are tall enough to ride a roller coaster. Like, oh, I've been waiting so long for this. Or they get a game or my son with a Nintendo Switch. Like, oh, I've been waiting my whole life for this. That's what Jesus is telling us. This Passover meal, this time of the covenant being established, with desire I have desired this. It's the Greek word epitume, which basically means like, I, I'm almost like frothing at the mouth, like drooling, like this is awesome, this is so exciting. That's what he's saying. And I believe why he feels that way is that he's communicating to us as we take the Lord's Supper, you have no idea how much I love you. You have no idea how much my heart is bursting with love for you. You have no idea what I'm about to do for you. You have no idea the depths of my love, the height of my love, the width of my love, the length of my love, but you will find out soon. And when you finally understand what I am about to do, I'm asking that you do this again in remembrance of me. I want you to remember because you will find out and you will know, as Kevin preached a few weeks ago, you will know the Lord. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is a reminder to you and I that this isn't just him going to, the sac to sacrifice himself for us, but this is him pouring out his desire of desires of how much he loves you and I. Thirdly, is that with the Passover and with the Lord's Supper rather, we can never lose hope. We can never lose hope. It's another thing here that you bring the cross in and you never lose hope. You know, communion is a time to reflect on what Jesus did on the cross. But notice here the, the reference in verse 16 to the future. It says, I, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. You know what he's saying here to help us remember is that this meal is just a foretaste of what's to come. That there is a kingdom in which we will experience this again. That we will take part in this meal together when the kingdom comes. So I think about this. Like, think about what you understand about Jesus' love and the cross and the meaning and what that did for you. Think about that, how you understand it now and how you'll understand it as you get older and more mature in Christ. But think about the clarity and the connection we will have when we drink of this with Jesus in the kingdom. That he is, he's saying, this is, this is cool, but this is nothing to when we will drink 
together again. This is just a foretaste of the bliss, a foretaste of the absolute joy, which I have secured for you by dying. So as we take the bread and the juice, think about the joy that's set before you. That this is just a foretaste of being able to share this in the kingdom with Jesus. But losing hope is easy. Getting sidetracked is easy. Looking at our circumstances and being overwhelmed by them is common. But if you go back to the first time wine was mentioned in the gospel, it was a time where a family had lost hope. It was a time where a wedding celebration that was supposed to go on all week ran out of wine. And Jesus there at the wedding feast, surrounded by joy of these two families coming together, now he's confronted with potential sorrow and embarrassment. And what does Jesus think about when something that's so joyful also has a very real tinge of sorrow? What does he say to Mary? Why do you bother me? My time has not yet come. A moment of great joy, but yet a reality that something is going to end is right around the corner. And Jesus, at that moment, is sitting there thinking about his death. Jesus sat in the midst of joy, literally sipping the coming sorrow. And when Jesus sits here at the Last Supper with, with his disciples, he's now sitting in the midst of immense joy, of desire of desire, but yet sipping the cup, which we know symbolically is the cup of wrath, that the wrath of God will come upon him because of you and I's sin. But he is able to, at that point, take the cup, shed his blood for us on the cross, and now in the midst of the sorrow can sip the coming joy. And for you and I, there's always hope because of what we see at the Lord's Supper, what we get to remember when we take communion together, is that we can in this moment, this morning, be in the midst of incredible sorrow. To actually feel that, know that, know God is with us in it and around it, but also know that we can sip the coming joy. That our bad things will turn to good. Our good things can never be taken from us. And the best things are yet to come. When we participate together in community with the Lord's Supper, you're sipping the coming joy. So this isn't just a time of remembrance. This is the time of remembrance that no matter what's going on, joy is coming. That you can feel things so deeply this morning. You can be sitting here fraught, worried, anxious, overwhelmed, contemplatively negative, you name it. But you can look at it and say, you know what, there's joy coming. Not acting like things aren't hard. Not acting like things aren't bad at times. But we can sip the coming joy because Jesus has secured our future. And fourth and lastly, Jesus wants us to keep on doing it. This wasn't a one-off thing. He says, do this in remembrance of me. This is a Passover meal. 
How many meals have you eaten in your life? If you said to someone, you know what? I can just have one meal and that's it. I'm good. How long would you live? If you didn't eat again, you know, if you said, hey, you know, back in 1970, I had a great meal. It's still picking it out of my teeth. It's still good, you know. You had a flavor saver back in the 1970s like everybody else, you know. Just keep, keep hanging on to it. It's pretty good. I don't think so, right? You don't eat, you're going to die. You have to keep eating. Jesus is saying, my death is like a meal. My death is a meal. It's your job to continually take in what I've done for you on the cross. It's your job to take this time and bring it into the center of your consciousness as often as you can. To take the cross, to remember it, and remake it at times to the, be the part of your life. Stick it in the center. Why do we take communion every Sunday? Stick it in the center of your life. Remember it. Remake it. Bring it back into your consciousness. And it's a call to remember not just, you know, this Sunday, one meal, and then, you know, you'll eat another meal in a week. Try that. But you come back and you say, okay, I remember what's center in my life. I remember the implications of what Jesus did on the cross. I understand the ramifications of the cross every day in my life. And that is what we remember. So we have these times of communion. We have this Passover meal to understand <clears throat> that the lamb, this center, this main course, is not on the table. He's at the table. That that moment, in this moment now, in his spirit, filling us, around us, in us, that he this morning eagerly desires to spend time together with us. To believe that. That God is in and with us and desires to have that meal more so than what we just read in Luke 22. That he is more connected, more close, more intimate with us than he was with them at that table. If what the Holy Spirit, he and what he is and what, is, what he says about himself and what God says about him is true, then that reclining at the table sounds like a great place to be. But the reality is of taking the communion together with the Holy Spirit in you. All your brothers and sisters, Israelites in the past, and disciples at that table who have yet to receive the inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit would say in this moment, I want what you've got. I want that type of intimacy. So while we sit in chairs and we're all, you know, Western Christianity, we're all facing forward, focus on the community together with the Holy Spirit as we take the blood and the juice that he eagerly desires to have this connection with us right now. And whatever you're sitting in, joy, pain, some mix of sorrow, is that we can take the bread and the juice and remember that whatever we're going through right now, we can sip joy. We can ingest joy. We can never lose hope because of what Jesus showed us here at the Last Supper. And then church, and I speak to myself, keep on remembering. This is not a one-time thing or a once-a-week thing. He says, remember, do this in remembrance of me. Bring this to the center of your life. Let it go all the way to downtown of your heart. 
think it out, live out its implications and ramifications in our life every day. That's what we do as we take the bread and the juice. Let's pray for that time together now. Lord in heaven, God, we come before you. God, we just thank you that we can worship you, that we can be here and we can have your spirit in us and around us, that that reality, God, won't come to full fruition until we're in your kingdom sharing this meal with you again. But God, thank you for your heart. Thank you for your heart that you are the Lamb of God. You are the one who takes away the sins of the world. And while the Passover was just a shadow of the reality that we can now be in a right relationship with you, our hearts can be set right, that we can have it, your law written on our heart, that it's fulfilled through the blood of Christ. And now we can have that connection where we truly can and the world can know you. God, we pray that as we do this, that we do this in remembrance of you. That we recognize, God, that you sat with great joy, with impending sorrow, yet you eagerly desire to share that meal with your disciples, and you do so today. But now you give us a pattern that we can be sitting in sorrow and sip joy. Give us, give us your hope. Give us great, uh, great strength through our time together, knowing that you have overcome the world and we look forward to the reality of being in your kingdom in its fulfillment. And God, help us to be your people who walk in accordance with your scripture and walk with your spirit to bring you in the ramifications of your death, burial, and resurrection to the center of our lives. Help us to be a community that lives this out, walking with you, helping each other to remember you and all that you've done for us. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Help us to know you more through this time together. We ask all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. Be sure to check back every Sunday for new sermons listed right here. Subscribe to us on YouTube and like us on Facebook to stay in touch with all that God is doing in the Roanoke Valley Church. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.